Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC, bringing you all the fall camp updates that we have right here as we are entering basically the end of the first week here in fall camp. So Wednesday will be a week. A lot happening, practices after practice starting since uh, last week, uh, since last Wednesday, so a lot to get into. We get to hear from more coaches. We get to hear, or we, oh, we get to hear from Billy Napier more and some more players uh, as well as we get to hear from um, Amari Bernie, Naquan Wright, uh, and who else? Uh, I'm probably forgetting somebody. Oh, yeah, and uh, of course, that tight end Dante Zanders there. Uh, so lots to get into from multiple angles here on this episode what they coach which billy napier had to say uh what the players had to say and mainly the message of getting physical getting that physicality back and also the penalties the penalties that you know both those actually both those topics harped on as big time negatives from the last staff things that must be improved right away as Billy Napier and his staff gets things started uh, in, in this fall camp. So, of course, they were hit on in the spring. But now we want to see that next step uh, with those factors really being emphasized. The tackling, the physicality, maybe you know, maybe not physicality when you hear what the players say, but also all those penalties from last year. All right, so let's get into this episode Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Really, really helps us out here on the YouTube version. Almost at 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. A few hundred away now. Let's get us there before the season. A few more weeks to go. Let's see if we can reach that before the season starts. And also, right there on Gators Breakdown Plus, Florida, Utah, coming up. If you don't have tickets yet, 
You can win some right here from Gators Breakdown Plus. Become a member. If you're already a member, you're eligible as well. Uh, so current and new members, the drawing will be August 19th for a pair of tickets to Florida versus Utah. Let's get you in the stadium if you don't have tickets yet. So, all right. Let's get started with this. And I wanted to go over some injuries. Uh, Billy Napier was asked about some uh, a few players that have either been limited or not taking part in practice so far let's start with cornerback Jaden Hill still uh, I think re, Bill Napier said he injured so he re-injured uh, his, uh, his his leg again getting getting more research getting more you know, get, getting it looked at more uh, pretty much there uh, and see rehabbing Billy Napier said he expects him to be back uh, before the first game of the season but uh, it's probably something Worth keeping an eye on if Jaden Hill. I mean, we've had some had an injury he dealt with in high school there, uh, and also we all remember the injury last year in, in fall camp, and now still dealing uh, with the injury there is Jaden Hill. So we'll see um, what ends up happening there. Hopefully rehab goes well. Florida can get him back on the field, uh, but we'll probably be probably be behind a little bit, and that kind of goes to some more of the storylines that we've been discussing with Young cornerbacks making their way and fighting for more playing time. I mentioned Devin Moore last week and the impact he's made already so far uh, as a true freshman. He's worked his way in there, making the best of so, so, some opportunity here. Him and Avery Helm kind of early on in camp, maybe back and forth with the number one reps. Uh, we'll see what that goes, but Avery Helm showing some good things as well. So, Florida, of course, brought in Kimber, Jalen Kimber from Georgia as a transfer at the cornerback spot as well. So, you know, you saw it. Jason Marshall had to get thrust into action last year as a true freshman at the cornerback spot, and that will pay off this year. Uh, but now Florida has a little bit more depth there. And now with Jaden Hill dealing with injury, you have Avery Helm, who got better as the year went on last year. And we've all heard the last couple of weeks of Devin Moore really showing up and as a true freshman can go out there and do some nice things. So if the unfortunate situation with, you know, with Hill, if it comes to be, and he's still dealing with injury, I think Florida still feels pretty good about where they're at at the cornerback spot. And then also now let's go to left tackle Richard Garage. Uh, it does look like, Right now, he has missed some time early on. Nothing to worry about, Billy Napier says. I mean, we just saw him at SEC Media Days uh, three weeks ago. Uh, so, no, I don't think any major concern there from everything I've been gathering as well. No major concern. Just kind of being on the cautious side right now. But that has maybe even opened up a realization that Florida may have found another player they can rely on up front on the offensive line. So, now Austin Barber has come in. He's taking over from Michael Tarquin at right tackle, and Tarquin has slid over to left tackle. And from all accounts and purposes, now look, everything's kind of going to be positive this early on in fall camp. So, you know, what we're seeing and what we're hearing, you know, what we're seeing is very limited. Uh, so we have to go by a lot of what we hear as well. And seems to be okay for now. Now, look, you won't reach your garage out there. That gives you your best starting five because uh, Michael Tarquin's also turning heads and doing some good things at right tackle. Uh, but for now, Austin Barber comes in, does some things at right tackle. Tarquin slides over at left tackle, and everything still seems to be okay there. But it's kind of uh, – I think Garage will be out there pretty soon, uh, and then we'll see uh, kind of where that one goes. But nothing from what I can gather 
to worry too much about Richard Garage being the left tackle for the Gators when they kick off versus Utah. And also Dakota Mitchell, uh, non-contact, been dealing with some stuff there. Uh, but Billy Aper didn't seem too worried uh, about on the injury front, maybe more so with Jaden Hill, but not so much Garage and Dakota Mitchell. So, all right, now let's go to some um, – Billy Napier spoke with the media last Friday, uh, was asked about the physicality of this team, but also we get to hear more in some extended thought on physicality, on tackling from linebacker Amari Bernie. And I'll go back a couple weeks ago because I think it's important to share – uh, another linebacker's point of view. Derek Wingo had a lot to say about that. I asked him about you know, the physicality part of last year's team bouncing back and, and being a more physical team this year. Uh, asked him that on our Gators Breakdown Plus Gator Collective chat that uh, Derek Wingo joined. So you get to hear from Billy Napier on the physicality of this team uh, and working on tackling with Amari Bernie and Derek Wingo. Time will tell. I mean, I, I'm not concerned about the physicality of this group. I mean, uh, um, you know, we don't have that problem. You know, I think, um, you know, today we'll put shells on. Obviously, we're working our through our way through kind of this. Uh, we'll ramp it up, you know, per the NCAA rules here. So we're in shells today. Practice three. Um, we'll do do that again. Practice four, and then we'll put full gear on practice five. But. You know, I think this group em embraces physicality. They embrace toughness. They love to compete. Um, you know, you can sense that when you're on the grass with them. That won't be a problem here. The approach has changed. Um, we have a different approach to thudding, uh, 10 to 2. You know, we don't want to get nobody injured in practice, but um, we have made a big emphasis on tackling circuits. Uh, we do it every day in the middle of practice. Um, we do gator road tackling. We do um, profile tackling. We do, um, you know, stripping the ball out, uh, just trying to create turnovers. So I would say that it has been a very big emphasis on tackling. Then, yeah, sorry, man. When you say profile, can you tell me what that what that means? Oh, uh, that means when somebody's right in front of you, um, like ten to two on the clock. That's basically profile tackling. And then get a roll tackling is when uh, somebody's running away from you and you gotta, you know, get a roll them to the ground. Got you. And uh, you know, you've tackled on a couple of different levels, right? I mean, it, it's, it's a different kind of angle as a safety versus a linebacker, man. What sort of adjustment have you had to make uh, versus, you know, being in the box versus maybe being further off the ball? Uh, being in the box, just um, staying square when you're making a tackle. Um, mostly for me, being in the box, that's basically a, a profile tackle, like I said, 10 to 2. And that's, main, that's the main tackle that you got to make. So you got to put your head on the ball and you got to dry your feet and wrap them up your hips. This is a very different tackle than, you know, being farther back. Sure. And last one, man. When, I know this staff doesn't like to go back to last year, but when they're putting that emphasis on tackling, do they bring up that that was a problem the last couple of years, or are they just totally looking ahead and this is something they'd be doing even if you guys had been great at tackling the, the last couple of years? Oh, no, they don't. Um, the last, I mean, this staff, they don't dwell on the past. Uh, they never brung up us uh, not tackling last year. I mean, they just you know, every team needs to tackle. So they're just making it a big emphasis on the team. That's it. I feel like that's another thing that we do, that we also do every day. We do that along with the, the turnover uh, battle stuff at the beginning of practices, learning how to do the different types of tackles, whether or not it's a gator roll, uh, whether or not it's a sideline tackle, all those kinds of things. So um, physicality-wise, I feel like I feel like last year, you guys could say it was a physicality kind of thing, but I don't think it, I don't think physicality 
being physical wasn't an issue, not being able to be big enough or strong enough. I think it was really just kind of confidence and, and just the, the energy around. So I feel like now the biggest thing that we've like been able to see that's changed is the positivity and having everybody know if someone, everyone's going to miss a tackle. It doesn't matter how good you are, yeah. um, who you are, whether or not you're in the league, college, you're going to miss a tackle. You're going to miss a big play. Um, but to really be able to kind of get back up the next play and kind of go get back after and have your teammates be like, dang, dude, why'd you do this? Or why'd you do that? Whether or not the, Hey, get the next play. Let's go short term memory loss. And I think that's the biggest thing that I think that in summer, going through all these workouts and these runs that I think that our team has gained the most is just being able to have each other's back and, and not bring any kind of negative energy into the room. Well, Billy Napier certainly sounds pretty confident on the physicality of this team. He doesn't seem worried about it at all. So great to hear his insight on that. He is not at all worried about the physicality of this team going through spring practice and what he has seen so far in fall camp. And look, I don't think there's, any reason not to believe him either, especially when you hear from the players that maybe it was just the approach under the last staff in regards to the physicality and, and tackling issues. Um, it was pretty much the entire time under Todd Grantham as a defensive coordinator at Florida. And we look past it in 18 and 19, especially those seasons, especially 18. I remember that uh, Florida played in Charleston Southern, I believe had some issues tackling early on in the season against the lower tier opponent. And that kept kind of going, but eventually got better. Remember 2019 as well versus Miami in the week zero game issues tackling there eventually got better as the season went on. And then uh, it all came to a head in 2020 <laughs> after the mishandling of the preseason where, you know, very little emphasis on being physical. That was just kind of their approach. Um, and that changed during the pandemic, of course, when everything was kind of up in the air. Well, it, it, it bit Florida, and then it never really got that back, that physicality. Once they lost it, that 2020 completely just lost any kind of mental edge. They could bled over to last year, combine all of that and what was going on with firing coaches, and you can see why the players probably mentally checked out as well last year, and it kind of just looked like what weren't physical, weren't ready to to go attack. And that's just like, exactly what it looked like. So it may have been a misconception, especially when you hear the players talk about it. But this staff, you know, they have to get that edge back while teaching better fundamentals. And I think it, I think it does go more to the on-field action of the fundamentals not being at play. There were plenty of times last year where players were in position to make tackles and didn't. Also, plenty of times when the players would just take wrong angles, take themselves out of a play because of angles they were taking to try and go make a tackle. You'd come up short and dive at, the, at a player's ankles or tackle high when you needed to be tackling low. According to Wingo and Bernie, there just seems to be a learning process going on of how to get better position shedding blocks to get in a better position, running to a spot, placement of a tackle, how to finish a tackle once wrapped up. I mean, I, I don't think these players like their manhood critiqued. I surely wouldn't. And we all did it last year, and probably rightfully so. You know, we may not have been right, and there may have been factors of just being a soft team. But now it looks like there's a sound approach in piecing it all together. So hopefully – you know it's a factor. You know the coaches. You know the players know about it. They're talking about it. 
it is an emphasis. Just has to piece, piece it all together right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So one place physicality needs to be top-notch, but also staying healthy needs to be a priority at the same time as that defensive tackle. Uh, Napier hits on Christopher Thomas being back on the team and how he's taking care of things to be back with the team. Most importantly, how he provides depth for a position that needs to build some. I think Chris being back is a big deal just for the depth of that group. You know, that's one of the groups where uh, we need to develop some depth you know, I think both lines of scrimmage, you know, we've got a good one and a half group, if that makes sense. You know, who, who are the, the next best players? Uh, there's a ton of competition there, and there's a lot of roles that are being determined there, right? So this training camp uh, will be critical for, for both sides of the ball relative to the line of scrimmage, right? So Chris being back will help there. But there's some other young players there that really, when you think about it, have sit really no experience or very minimal experience. So, um, you know, I think that's what practice is for, you know, and I think in the game of football in particular, the development takes uh, place in the practice setting. So, um, you know, that group has got a lot of work to do to get game ready, you know, uh, certain particulars in, in certain players in particular. So Napier, of course, sees what we all see. Uh, Florida needs to build some depth at that position. We know we, we've discussed it at nauseum back in the spring and the offseason and last week on Gators' breakdown as well of being a big worry, maybe even our biggest worry for this team. So getting Thomas back as a body definitely helps. You know, Florida had bodies last year, not a lot of playmaking ability at defensive tackle, but did have some bodies there. Uh, Florida needs to elevate the level of play there, and especially uh, we'll see how much Desmond Watson can be out there. Uh, of course, space eater, you hope he can force some double teams with his size, but how much can he be on the field? How much can we rely on him to be in there play after play? Probably not a whole lot. You know, so now I think it's really instrumental – you, know, you don't want to rely on true freshmen, but you know, Chris McClellan, I think, is a name you want to look out for, highly rated defensive tackle that I really think, you know, Florida, as the season goes on, is going to find themselves needing to be some type of impact freshman. Now, I'm not saying an impact player overall, but definitely an impact freshman to come in and at least spell a guy or come in and make a play every so often. Florida's going to need that at, at some point, at some point. I think, you know, you're going to have to have, to have a young guy like McClellan step up and do some nice things at defensive tackle for the Gators. All right, so let's go to the other side of the ball uh, for a second. And a player looking to bounce back from an injury last year versus Florida State. Uh, so he missed a bowl game, of course, versus uh, UCF. Missed spring practice. Very, very limited in spring practice was Naquan Wright. Uh, so let's get to hear from him uh, and uh, also Billy Napier and Billy Napier's thoughts on uh, Naquan Wright. Yeah, no, Naquan is on schedule. You know, he's done a great job. I mean, I think Naquan is one of the players that I respect the most on our roster. You know, I think he is real. 
Uh, I think he lives life with integrity. He is who he says he is. You know, he's very consistent in his attitude. His actions match up with his words. Um, you know, he's a proven player. He's been productive in a game setting here. Uh, this place means something to him. Uh, he cares about his teammates. Um, so I think Naquan's one of the players in our team that has a voice that does have impact. Um, and certainly for him to get healthy and have an opportunity to uh, be effective on the field and produce on the field, I think is really healthy for our team. So Naquan's on schedule. We're excited about him being back out there. Yeah, I just thank God uh, that I'm being able to uh, go out there and compete with my teammates. been a long process for me. I've been through it, but very different for me. Uh, one, because I say, like I said before, new coach staff came in. So I just wanted to show those guys what I can do, and I was limited to that. So, I mean, it's definitely a blessing, and I still have ways to go myself. So definitely a blessing to be back, though. Kind of a, a, a guy of faith. So, I mean, uh, even when it's looking crazy, I always believe. Uh, back in spring, I felt I was 100, you know what I mean? So And I wasn't 100. So I just always a guy that I try to control my thoughts and uh, always keep them positive. So I was always saying, like, I'm 100, I feel good. I tell the coaches I'm ready to go right now. I mean, I wasn't, but I'm telling them that and telling myself that. So, I mean, now actually being out there with them, I feel I feel, feel pretty fine. And by, by September 3rd, I'll be ready. Respect and real. I mean, that's pretty much the conclusion you come to with Billy Napier and talking about Naquan Wright. And he's been through a lot with his injuries through his career, dating back to high school and fights his way back. To, you know, to, to be a player out here in the SEC. Uh, I think we know the type of character Napier expects from his players. And to talk about a player the way he does that was very limited in spring, you know, not being out there on the field, but still being able to be an impact in that running back room. So him being very limited and still getting this type of respect from Billy Napier, to me, uh, I think it says a lot. Uh, Florida needs his leadership and a running back that has seen it week in and week out in the SEC and big games. And we mentioned it last week. I, I do wonder about the rotation of running back and how it plays out. It cleared up a little bit with Bowman, DeMarcus Bowman transferring out, Naquan Wright coming in. You know, we thought there was going to be way too many miles of feet <laughs> coming up this fall. Uh, but you know, Nap Napier sounds like he has a lot of trust in Wright as he has learned about these players since last December. Him taking over the job, learning about players that were already on the roster. We've heard very similar sentiments back in spring about how much he thought about Naquan Wright. And Naquan Wright even talked to the media back in the spring without even taking part in spring or being very, very limited uh, in, in spring ball. But Billy Napier, I thought, thought it was pretty important to get Naquan Wright there in front of the media and still discuss what's going on in the running back room. So a lot of trust there, I think. And we know Napier trusts Montreal Johnson to bring him over from Louisiana, recruit him at Louisiana, plays well as a true freshman, want to bring him to Florida. And I think there's some trust built with Lorenzo Lingard as well through spring practice. Now add Trevor Etienne into the mix, Napier's first Florida running back recruit. And there's the makings of a group I think Nap Napier can have a lot of trust in. And a trust in a position group that he will use a lot. We know he was going to use that group a lot. So as long as Wright is healthy and ready to go, I, I think it's a pretty deep group here that's ready to show what they can do behind an experienced offensive line. 
Let's keep it on the offensive side of the ball, and let's hear from um, one of the best storylines of spring practice, and that's Dante Sanders moving to tight end. Uh, my first thought about moving back to tight end, I was kind of nervous because I gained so much weight at playing DN, and I felt like I was like lost all like the agility that you need at the tight end position to be able to run routes and everything. But also, I'm a team guy, so when Coach Napier asked me to like, hey. Um, these guys are banged up and we need a room. We need more tight ends in the room. Is there any way like you can help us? I just stepped up. Same thing when happened uh, my sophomore year when I went to, from tight end to DN, they asked me to move and team players, I just say, yeah, whatever it helps, whatever is best for the team. Did he know that you had played tight end before? Or? Yeah, he said he's seen it before prior to um, me moving to DN and he said just me during the identity phase where we used to run around and do agilities and practice with the coaches and them seeing body movements and how people move and everything he said that he could tell that I was a tight end just by the way I was running and my speed and the way I was able to bend corners and everything. So talk about a surprise of Xander's moving to tight end but also just the success he had in moving to tight end he may just be tight end number one this fall over Keon Zipperer or at least a 1A 1B which is Good for Florida. I mean, what a story it would be if he can continue on what we heard in the spring, play out in the spring game, and that continues into the fall. He's having a nice camp. I don't think Napier's excitement back in the spring should be ignored. He talked glowingly about him and continues to do so. Let's go back. I mean, five catches, 56 yards in the spring game. We know this is a position Billy Napier loves to use and has a lot of numbers there right now, and that may be led by Dante Sanders. And even if he's not the starter, he's going to play a lot. He's going to play a large role in this offense. And credit to him for being a team player. It may just work out to having this large role for the recently graduated Gator. He graduated this past weekend, so congrats to him right there as well. But... I don't see right now how he doesn't have a large role in this offense. Xanders, Zipperer, Elksness, Odom, Boardingham, Hanson all in the fold now. There's plenty there to figure out in the tight end position, and if you want to go two tight ends, I think you have the ability to do so. Don't know how much you were able to practice it in the spring, but <laughs> certainly here in the fall, there's enough numbers there to start putting it in the arsenal, start putting it in the playbook. And one more note on, on Boardingham. And look, we're going to hear these about a lot of young players. We're going to hear about a lot of players who end up probably not doing much this fall, but at least a very nice start for Boardingham, showing some nice mismatch situations early on in fall camp. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, of course, this episode themed talking about physicality and tackling, but also something that plagued the Gators last year were penalties. Here's Dante Zanders on Billy Napier's approach to that. Coach Napier came in and he just disciplined. He showed us the other day 
before we went out to practice, like all of the all of our penalties that we had um, last season. And he was just showing us like it wasn't like no big penalties that were supposed to hurt us. They were all undisciplined penalties, offsides, holding things that we can learn not to do. And he showed you that how like a cut up thing on how how describe that, please. He handed out a um like a piece of paper and it had just like highlights of all the all of the penalties that we had and the like lost yardage that we got because of those penalties and which one were undisciplined, which one were because of like holding, which ones were offsides and just stuff like that. Was it was it shocking to see it all on paper? Yeah, it was it was shocking and embarrassing a little. All right, so ex- to extend the penalties thoughts here, I'm going to go to, to Andrew Olson on Saturday Down South. He shared, of course, over 13 games, Florida committed 104 penalties for 918 yards last year. So in the SEC, where there's 14 teams, Florida ranked 13th in penalty yards per game with 70.6. 13th in penalties per game with 8, 12th in penalty yards, 918, and 12th in total numbers of penalties with 104. Ouch. He notes that our good buddy Nick DeLatore and the Gators Online crew went through every individual box score to find that of those 104 penalties, 75 qualify as, quote, undisciplined, including a whopping 29 false starts. No need for those. We know discipline has been a key word since Billy Napier has taken over, and that's what they're trying to fix. And look no further than penalties. Andrew went on to say Florida dropped four or five games decided by seven points or fewer in 2021. Gators might fare better in those situations in 2022 with improved discipline. All right, guys, let's just go back to the Kentucky game last season. Game Florida should have won, even with everything that went wrong in that game. Florida still had a chance to win. But go and look at penalties. You can kind of see why. Eight false starts compromised more than half of Florida's 15 penalties for 115 yards in that game. I hate to bring it up, but... And you bring up that one game, and it shows you just how important it can be. When you don't play your best, but if you don't kill yourself, you might still come out with a victory anyway. Florida's going to be in a lot of close games this season. And Napier's had a lot of success in those close game situations back at Louisiana. And there's a couple reasons why. Because his team doesn't hurt themselves with penalties. And his team doesn't hurt themselves with turnovers. So, you know, going by Napier's history and the emphasis on, you know, penalties and how much they can hurt and just how much we've heard so much about discipline on this team, I think we can translate that to penalties getting reduced for the Gators. So it would be a complete surprise if we see a rehash of last year, maybe toward the beginning of the season with all the newness. But as the season plays along, I'd be completely surprised if we see those undisciplined nonsense penalties. Remember all the false starts. Now that goes into preparation as well. You know, I don't mean to keep harping on the last staff, but in comparing it to this staff, 
I don't see that type of lack of preparation going on the road and then going and getting false start after false start, at least to the extent of not trying to fix it in the game. It kept being an issue for Florida last year in Lexington. It was like they didn't even practice it too much. Didn't even look like they went and tried to fix it during the game too much. And I'm sure they did, but it didn't work. I don't see that playing out again either. All right, so there we go. Nice to hear from Coach Napier again and those players on those topics. Before we wrap up, the coaches poll came out today on Monday, August 8th. Let's go through that. And no, well, maybe a surprise. Maybe no surprise either. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you are. Leave a comment. Were you surprised? Were you not surprised that the Gators were not ranked in the initial 2022 USA Today coaches poll? Let's go through it right quick. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Clemson. Notre Dame comes in at number five. Michigan at six. Texas A&M at seven. Utah, number eight. Coming in at number nine is Oklahoma. Ten is Baylor. Eleven, Oklahoma State. Twelve, Oregon. NC State is at 13. Michigan State, 14. USC, 15. Pitt comes in at 16th. At number 17, Miami. 18, Texas. 19, Wake Forest. Coming in at 20, Wisconsin. Kentucky comes in at 21. Cincinnati, 22. Arkansas comes in at 23. 24 is Ole Miss. And rounding out the top 25 is Houston. Six SEC teams ranked. Florida, LSU, Tennessee, not among the six SEC teams ranked. Florida's first opponent, Utah, will be coming in as a top 10 opponent. Number eight, as I mentioned. So when we get to September 3rd, unranked Florida will host top 10 and number eight, Utah. Looking at it a bit, I'm kind of a su- surprise Notre Dame's number five. With all the change going on there, I mean, you know, Brian Kelly had it rolling, had them guys fighting for a college football playoff spot year in and year out, but not sure I see it. Michigan as well at number six. I know they made the college football playoff last year, but six is probably a little too generous. Going into a season, all right, maybe I can see it. I don't see the I don't see Notre Dame, I don't see Michigan necessarily ending up there. A&M at seven, Utah at eight. I'd probably have Utah a little higher. And I think Utah would be better than Michigan. Let's see, going through it as well. Britt Venables, first year head coach at Oklahoma. We'll see where that goes. Top 10, too generous for that. Probably. Not sure, though. I mean, when you compare it, I mean, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, that's 9, 10, and 11. So that's three Big 12 teams right there. Probably have Baylor, the higher rank out of those. Oregon at 12, first-year head coach Dan Lanning gets a top 15 ranking. NC State, a lot of people picking them to be that trendy under the radar. Not so much under the radar anymore because a lot of people are picking it, but to do some – 
nice things in the ACC. Michigan State, Mel Tucker, after a very successful last year, comes in at 14. Lincoln Riley, all the transfers, bringing in everybody there at USC from Oklahoma. Also, Addison from Pitt comes in at 15. I can see that. Pitt's still 16th right there, one spot behind USC. I mean, if they had Addison, you probably flipped them in USC. <laughs> Funny how close those two teams are right there with that storyline. Uh, Texas, uh, you know, at 18, we'll see what Sark can do there. Recruiting not an issue, so can he live up to it? Texas or Miami was at 17 under Crystal Ball. You know, we'll see. Um, some questions about his head coaching ability. Uh, we'll see what happens there uh, with him in Miami. And then let's go to Kentucky 21. Arkansas, 23, Ole Miss, 24. So those are SEC teams ranked ahead of Florida, right there in that 20 to 25 range. Not sure Ole Miss should be ranked in Tennessee and Florida not. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I guess I can see it why Florida, a lot of people not high on Florida because of what happened last year coming off the bowl loss to UCF. Ole Miss had one of their best seasons guess I can see it, but they're replacing a whole lot, too. Uh, but there you go. I mean, Kentucky 21, so Florida's first two opponents in the initial coaches poll. Utah 8, Kentucky 21st. Florida beats Utah week one. You got to put them, what, top, at least top 15? I think so. Because Florida's probably on that cusp anyway. Of being top 30-ish. That would be a good win. That'd be a top 10 win. So we'll see where it goes. But there you go. There's your first you know, not official poll because the college football playoff rankings are the official poll. But those will be the rankings in the AP poll that people will be using until the college football playoff rankings come out. So Gators not ranked in the coaches poll. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.